zeggen. Daniel 3, Daniel uh, of the major prophets, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. So these are the, the four major prophets, and uh, Daniel, of course, taken into captivity in Babylon, and while he is there, Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This time some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are all ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? So this is the power thing. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. And then here's their testimony. If the God we serve is able to deliver us, then he will deliver us from the blazing furnace and from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Oh, they replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the peoples of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other god can save this way. And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So the focus is on that powerful witness. We will also... Uh, just the words of 1 John 5... Uh, 1 John 5 verse 4 For everyone born of God overcomes the world This is the victory that has overcome the world Even our faith So our faith is the victory that overcomes the world 1 John verse 4. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are looking at this familiar story of Daniel. Uh, the story of Daniel 3 is just a, an amazing story, a favorite of many of us. And I just wanted to, to bring in the, the sense of, of that sense of power and, and power that's impressive. That's impressive. What, what is really impressive? Sometimes if you see uh, the sports events, Olympics, uh, just this afternoon, some of those guys those were, were downhill skiing. I don't know if you've seen it. They are, they are on their, with no legs, and they're downhill skiing. That's impressive. 100 kilometers an hour. What is truly impressive, though? The event recorded here in Daniel 3 begins with an impressive person. It's all about what's impressive. And that person has an impressive name. It's so impressive, it's hard to pronounce. Nebuchadnezzar. There are actual statues and pictures of Nebuchadnezzar. He is named after Nabu the god of Babylon, who was the son of the great father god Marduk. So Nabu was the god of wisdom and writing. And so 
an impressive, to be named after that God is this king, Nebuchadnezzar. The fancy name is also an effort to impress. This is an impressive name. He was also the greatest king of Babylon. And, and in his reign, it became a world power at the, at the height of its power. So this is, this is all a very impressive time. And, and he is a, a central, key, powerful person. In Daniel 1, the Babylonians defeat Egypt and then conquer Israel, taking people like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego into exile. Now, even with all of these impressive things, you wonder, King Nebuchadnezzar was still feeling that, that it wasn't enough. He needed to make himself more impressive. So then he ordered this statue built and of the god Nabu. The statue is 90 feet tall, so this is, yeah, 30, 25, so... I mean, it's, it's big, right? It's high. And it's, it's sometimes suggested that it, it had a pedestal and was maybe, maybe 40 feet high, but it, it had a pedestal kind of thing under it. But between things, too, if, if you want to be most impressive, you wouldn't even have that, that pedestal there. But it's, it's an effort. It's, it's huge. It's much bigger than things normally are, and then it's covered with gold. It suggested not solid gold, plate, plate gold, but maybe it was solid gold. It was supposed to be impressive. And so it's very tall, very, very valuable, uh, nine feet square, so the, the thought is even that, that yeah, it, it's just big and high and just a remarkable thing. If you wondered about What's impressive? Now that's, that's impressive. The thought is too, it's on a plane, so it, it stands out even more and, and with gold, so the sun hits it in the morning or going down in the evening, and you, that's all you see, that statue. A sign of wealth, power. All the details show it's meant to impress the people, and, and you get the sense that it did. It did indeed. Like if you go and visit some of the famous, famous sites too, you, you see the, the uh, Eiffel Tower, you think, wow, that's, that's impressive, that's for sure. So many thousands gather here on the plain for dedication to honor the statues, specifically the god Nabu and the king. And they even add this, this full orchestra. Uh, this is, with all of the instruments mentioned, this is, this is a full orchestra. This is a magnificent. Uh, the sound, the finest musicians, also very impressive. Wow, you don't see this often. This is, is truly an amazing thing. So in verse 7 too, the people respond by kneeling before such power, such wealth. So, so all of this is in place. But you get the impression King Nebuchadnezzar still, still had it in mind. This might not be impressive enough just by itself. And he could have gone, yeah, make it twice as high or, or make it twice as wide or 
maybe encrust it with diamonds and gems and rubies. All, all maybe in a, in a sense, because he, he realized, too, this is, is just a dead statue. It's, it's really empty, kind of phony. Not really that impressive, maybe. King Nebuchadnezzar knew this might be a problem, and that's why he had the furnace ready. You wonder if the furnace was right beside the statue. It was probably in view somewhere. There was definitely uh, the reality of the furnace being visible, and I suggest to you the story gives the impression, too, that the furnace is impressive. This is an impressive furnace. There's no gold on it. It's not high, though it's fairly roomy. Four people can walk around in it. But it's impressive in its power to kill. Even big, strong guards cannot get close to it without dying. That's, that's, that's a furnace. And it has the power of life and death. At the word of the king, you, you live or die. That's, that's an impressive power. That's something that you better, better honor and respect, with great honor and great respect. This is really where the impressive power is stated. And it solves the problem of those who are not particularly impressed by the statue. The furnace is the thing. The Bible often tells a story. It's not the three men and the statue. It's the three men and the furnace. In the, in the story itself, the, you know what happens. The three men are not impressed. They refuse to worship the statue. They say they are not inclined to worship a statue, even if it has an orchestra by it. And King Nebuchadnezzar knows, he knows where power lies. He doesn't call the soldiers to come and polish up that statue seven times brighter. And he doesn't threaten the orchestra. Play seven times better. Because there's no power. There's no, no real strength in either of those places. He gets the furnace seven times hotter. And he deals with the three as an example to everyone there. That's why afterwards, too, all of the satraps, prefects, governors crowd around Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This is all very visible, very out in the open. But King Nebuchadnezzar is, is quite certain of his power, and he is quite certain of his furnace. He has the ultimate power. Just like a dictator, a terrorist, those who threaten life definitely feel they have the power. And people recognize a power there. But the story changes at this point with the threat being clear. The, the, the story changes. Daniel 3, uh, 24 and 25. It says there, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men we tied up and threw into the fire? 
They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looked like the son of the gods. So now who's impressed? Wonder and astonishment seize the king. The exact wonder and astonishment he is trying to instill in the people that he has made this whole statue and furnace and everything for. He is the one, the only one there, who is clearly impressed by what he sees. A power far greater than his power. And so the the sense of it right there, worldly power, human power, ends with the ability to kill someone. If you have killed someone, you have no power over them anymore. But there is a truer, stronger power, the power of God, and that power brings life. Now that's impressive. And so in verse 24, when the king jumps up because the three friends are unhurt, the fire isn't any threat to them. Notice all it does is it sets them free. They're all bound up and and powerless, and this fire in God's hands just sets them free. They are set free. And then there is the presence of the all-powerful God in the fire to protect from harm those cannot be killed whom God wants to live. The true God has true power, and true power is power to save, and that is impressive. The true God is not a a dead statue. The true God is the living God. He created all things, even fire, and he controls all things, even fire as hot as we can possibly make it. His care is total. And so it's beautifully described here when, when they step out of the furnace and it speaks about how total the care is. When their, their hair is not singed, I know when we are making a fire, hair gets singed on you. When, when you sit by a fire, you, you smell it on the clothes for the whole day and, and the next day. There is no way that... But everything, they are not singed, there's no smell, they are completely kept from harm in every way. Reminds us of Isaiah 43, verse 2, which says, Fear not, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And then there's still one more, the most impressive, amazing thing. I'm not sure if you caught it. That, that most impressive thing in the face of the threats of King Nebuchadnezzar is the faith of the three men. And it's, it's a gift of God to them. It might even have surprised them a little bit. True faith, believing. Daniel three seventeen and 18. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it and he will rescue us from your hand O king and even if he does not we want you to know O king that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up now that's strong clear simple 
impressive faith. There's no long explanations. There's no bargaining. There's no excuses. There's just faith in God. And these are, these are great men. These are knowledgeable men. These are men who could put forward a very good argument to the king. Well, really, we didn't understand what you meant. Or, well, really, we don't want to upset you, but... And they could have worked around it probably with some careful arguments. But all they say is, God is able to save a bright light of faith. No doubt, no hesitation, no fear. And then... More impressive yet, even if he does not, even if he does not, even if he chooses not to save us here and now, so even in hard and difficult times, even in death, our faith is not shaken. For we have seen all that he has done, and we trust in him alone. An impressive statement of faith that, that King Nebuchadnezzar hasn't seen anything like it before. All of these people, and just these three, standing tall, shining brighter than that statue, a light in a very dark world. In our world, People like to build impressive things still. In our culture, the most impressive buildings in city centers are banks. Big banks, economic power. And from there, they rule the world. That's impressive. Bank power, bank influence, the World Bank, the profits, and money influences foreign affairs and politics and social agendas. There's where the power lies. We would say the power lies not there at all. The power lies, as Lord's Day 23 says, with our God in Christ to grant life. Lord's Day 23, in the context of Apostles' Creed, what good does it do you to believe all this? We said the Creed today, what good does it do you to believe in God the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the Church, etc.? Because that is true power, strength, life. Made right with God by faith, we will live. And all who believe will live. 1 John 5 verse 4. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. All the things of the world. All the threats. Everything. Everyone born of God. Putting their faith in God. Overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. We see it right here in Daniel 3. Faith wins the victory. Nothing Anyone, anything can do to me. I have confidence in God, His care. And why is that? It's not based on those three men walking out of the furnace. 
It's based on the fourth man walking out of the grave Easter morning. That's why I'm convinced the power of sin and Satan, the power of pain and death is destroyed. We will live. The whole world will stand amazed and see the glory of God. So we bow down and worship Jesus. There's no need for a great orchestra. We have the song of salvation in our hearts. There's no need for great statues and buildings. Jesus is the Savior who comes to us and who in his word and by his spirit convinces us, impresses us, impresses on us the truth that he is the all-powerful Savior, our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we can recognize your power through your grace dying on the cross, but rising victorious from the dead, overcoming the power of sin and death. Lord, we put our hope, our trust in you again this afternoon. We thank you for your love that we can be your children in faith, by faith. Continue to work in us that we might live in that confidence, that we might live without feeling, uh, needing to, to give way to the threats and pressures of this world, that we would live each day joyfully and thankfully trusting in you and being a witness to your love, to your power, to the, your truth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.